Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. As always, my favorite time of the week, especially now with everything going on in the world today, I love to be able to bring to you my amazing guests from around the world to help you figure out what you're going to do with your day, your week, your business, your life, and to help you bring a little kindness into your life because my guests are really sharing amazing content with you to help you figure out what is next for you and maybe to shake you out of the I'm not getting dressed today kind of scenario, but that's the beauty of radio. I don't even know if my guests are dressed when they're doing the show. I can tell you that I always get dressed for the show, (laughs) just like if I was coming into the station to do it. And, Mr. B., I wanted to thank you so much for uh, coming into the station and doing the show. And also, um, I bet you didn't realize this, Mr. B., but today is the fifth anniversary of the founding of It's All About the Questions. Today is literally five years ago um, on this date, the first broadcast episode of It's All About the Questions came. (laughs) Oh, that was awesome. (laughs) I love that, even without prep. So who better to have as the guest on this special anniversary day of my show than Mike Michalowicz, Somebody we were trying to figure out how we had met years and years and years ago back when Mike had an IT services company and I had my company. I've read his books. I've loved his books. Um, so many people have said, Laura, how come you've never had Mike on your show? And I'm like, well, we have to fix that. And it's perfect because he's launching his new book in the next couple of weeks called Fix This Next, uh, Make the Vital Change That Will Level Up Your Business. And, Mike, it is even more important today that entrepreneurs look at what they can do to see the opportunities that are really there in front of them that they might not be seeing right now. Everybody's responding like emergency or paralyzed with what's going on right now. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, Laura, it is a joy to be here. I'm I'm happy we were able to do this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so excited, and you know, when it's an anniversary show, five years—that's that's cool. Congratulations! Thanks. You know, I never thought that I'd be doing broadcast radio, but I am, and it goes to podcast. But it's it's exciting to think that I've been doing this for five years. <laughs> yeah, and I can hear your fan base—the uh, way they are cheering away. It sounds like you have a very young, enthusiastic group. <laughs> cool. I think everybody's reverting in age as this. Um, quarantine keeps going on yeah. because they're all at home with all their kids and, and their families trying to just get back to basics, yeah. which is one of the reasons why the I love humanity. the work that you do. Um, oh, thank you. You've got Profit First, Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, very appropriate right now, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Surge, and your new book, Fix This Nest. To me, it's all about the basics. Would you agree with that or not? It absolutely is, and uh, it's about getting to the most simple, simplified processes to drive the results you want, uh, but not making the results simpler. So 
what, what do we get to the, how do we get to the essence of what needs to be done to have the impact we want? And the reason I think it's so important is, so I'm an entrepreneur myself. I've, I've been an entrepreneur uh, ever since I graduated college. That's when I started my computer company. And we were in the same space, and I moved on to computer crime investigation, ultimately other businesses. And uh, always thought that, for a long time, thought that success was about complexity. It was about just ramping up sales and, and, sh- and pounding my chest about the numbers and um, that there was a million moving pieces. Uh, but but my, my vantage point has changed significantly, and I think that, that an organization's success is not around the revenue. It's around its stability, its profitability, its organizational reliance and, or how stable the organization is, and that a lot of those elements where I was bringing complexity, there's actually really simple solutions to them. I just need to seek out the simple solutions. You know, I was, when I was reading through the advanced copy of your book that I got, one of the things that really struck me was the idea that people think just because you're a large company that you're handling everything, that you've got it all together, that money's not a problem, the bottom line is big. You know, you see this happening a lot today, right? Everybody's talking about, I mean, Allstate is giving back part of their premiums. We expect these big companies to take care of everybody, but they, don't, they can't always do that because $250 million companies can go defunct just as quickly as a company making a million dollars. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, we were talking about this when we were catching up, and uh, so I have a friend who will go nameless who had exactly that, a $250 million company. And from the outside, he was winning all the accolades of all my friends. Gosh, the, the, the size and the significance of your business. Right before the before COVID broke, this is about a month or two prior, they made one strategic bad move. They made a bad decision, and they couldn't afford to come out of that decision. It sunk the company. The company uh, is now defunct. It, went, it had to do Chapter 11 and, or Chapter 7, one of the two chapters. But it, it's, it's done. And it, it was because they didn't focus on stability of the organization or the health of it. I, myself, for the longest time, thought, oh, it's, it's all about the size. But now what I've come to realize it's all about the health of an organization. Like you said, a $1 million company or a $100,000 business. If a $100,000 business is fighting for someone's lifestyle, reserving cash beyond that, um, that's a very successful business. Sales, I translate into stress. So the more sales an organization has, the more stress it puts on the organization. So if I do $100,000 in business, I have $100,000 of responsibility. I have to deliver on my promises, the products, the services. But if I have a million dollars and I have a million dollars of obligation, and as those numbers get bigger, it's greater and greater obligation. For a small business owner, it actually puts more stress on the owner. They're often in a small business, they're doing the work, or at least they're responsible for the outcome. So the stress amplifies. The balance of this is profitability. How much is the business retaining from that money? How much runway is it affording itself so that if, if a problem happens in the business or now with this macro crisis going on, Businesses that have did and continue to be concerned with profitability are affording themselves runway, time to consider and be very deliberate in what actions they take. And businesses that aren't focused on profit and we're all about sales, well, they're in desperation mode. 
sadly, we've already seen some of them go out of business already. Okay, so let's talk about that because one of the things I hear from my listeners and some of my clients and some previous clients as well is they're so fearful right now. They feel like they have to cut staff. They have to cut costs. They don't know how their businesses are going to survive. Yet I have other people that are like, oh, I just made this shift in my business and I'm seeing more orders come in than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, I, I think at first, first stage is, is simply mindset. And I'm not saying this is the solution, but it gets you going in the right direction. I think we as small business owners can make a choice right now and say that we are going to not participate in the recession, or we are. And if you don't make a choice, then you're defaulting to that you are going to participate. Small business has a distinct advantage in economic crisis in the fact that we can adjust and move very quickly. It's the big businesses that they're, they're driving, like, you know, aircraft carriers and trying to do turns, but we're driving jet skis. We can stop and do 180 instantly and move forward. If you decide cognitively, I'm not going to participate in this recession, well, then we can start focusing on the elements that, that are opportunistic. Or not actually opportunistic, that are opportunity. I think opportunistic is taking advantage of people negatively. But an right. opportunity is where we spin forward. And so an opportunity is the... One thing is to, is to change our offering mix. One strategy I've been working with my clients on, and I talk about it in Fix This Next, is to do the one-step-back process. What I mean is if we look at our end deliverable, we look back one step prior to that and say, what, what do we do immediately prior to that? And then we rewind again and say, what's one step prior to that? Because ultimately, our end deliverable is a culmination of multiple small deliverables. So here's a quick example of the restaurant. Restaurants are, are very heavily impacted right now. They can't uh, do their primary service, which is delivering food to the table. So the end deliverable is delivering food to the table. But if we rewind one step back prior to that, well, we uh, carry food from the kitchen to the table. So the delivery of food or the carryout of food is a decision that you can make, and, and some businesses made that decision. Some are amplifying that and doing extraordinarily well. There's one restaurant in our town that has teamed up with a food truck, and the food truck is running the deliveries to neighborhoods while the restaurant is doing all the preparation of food. It's a great collaborative opportunity. Well, what happens one step before carrying food to a table? Well, the one step before we carry to the table is the preparation in the kitchen. So the opportunity here is the preparation itself. Could we videotape how you make your 10 most popular dishes, provide the recipes to your customers, um, maybe even um, you know, sell the recipes and they're videotaped, Maybe even have your chef come to the kitchen and do a broadcast over Zoom to uh, families that want to do a cooking night. And you can sell that, cook your favorite meals. What happens one step prior to that? Well, it's a procurement of meats and vegetables. Maybe you can sell kits to make your popular meals. But what we have to realize in this one-step process is we're just breaking down our offering and now can introduce a new offering to our community that they're going to acquire. And it's that thinking I see triggering businesses to get more demand versus the ones that are just frozen up and saying, well, we did this way, it's not working anymore, we're done, that are falling down. It's so true. I was talking to um, uh, several of my friends that have restaurants in town, and by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Counterculture for delivering a whole slew of food for me and my neighbors that they prepared so that I could feed my neighbors. Um, we, we started talking about this whole idea of what is your business mission. 
And like you were saying, a lot of restaurants, their mission is to feed people. Well, maybe it's changed a little bit in how the delivery is, as you said, that they're coming to the restaurant and eating, but it doesn't mean you can't stop feeding them. Right. So, so we have this core competency. I, I call it business as usual in unusual circumstances. The business as usual part is what are you known for? What's your reputation? What's your core competency feeding people? But unusual is now the, the new packaging of it. I think the challenge that some businesses are trying to overcome, which I think is for many is a mistake, is unusual business in unusual circumstances. So the restaurant says, we're going to start making ventilators because everyone needs ventilators now. We're going to manufacture it. Well, they have no experience around manufacturing. It's such a shift from their core competency that their ramp-up time, the ability to master it, is going to be overwhelming and actually destroy the business. Conversely, you know, an established manufacturer who makes aprons or something, maybe has a realistic shift over to making masks, what the in-demand product is. So we, we may need to also shift our offering in the, the way it caters to customers, but that core competency, that's where our experience and knowledge and know-how is. How do we simply repackage it or shift it without taking away from that core competency? And then we can continue to deliver on that, I believe. Yeah, I have a, a client who makes air conditioning filters. And oh, there you go. I reached out to him the other day. I said, please tell me you're figuring out how you can change your air conditioning filters into respirator filters or masks for hospital workers or for individuals. And he goes, funny you should ask. We're just now beginning to look at that. And I'm not going to complain that it's only now that he's thinking about it. The fact is, it doesn't matter whether you thought about it a month ago or you think about it today. Just as you said, think about business as usual in unusual circumstances. How can you pivot? How can you make micro-movements to shift how you do business? You know, the, the other opportunity that exists that complements that is some businesses, as some owners I talked to, they said, I'm done, I'm out of business. And I said, well, do you still have that list of customers that you had been servicing up till recently? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so you haven't lost, you may have lost their current demand, but you still have that customer base. What do they want now? And they're like, well, I think they want this, or I think they want that. I said, well, why are we thinking? Why are we asking them? You know, one of the easy, obvious opportunities is to reach out to our historical customer base and say, what do you need now? And, uh, you know, Many customers, it's not that they don't want to do business with us. They just don't have an immediate need. They have different priorities. But maybe you can service one of their priority needs. I, I actually did this myself. I, four, four weeks ago, I reached out. I'm an author. I've reached out to my readership base. And um, I said, what, what do you need now? And the number one the feedback from the, the, the uh, readers was confidence. Confidence in themselves. Not even confidence in their business. Just, just you know, I got to get up and be very deliberate in what I do and start results, but I'm so shaken, uh, I don't have confidence in myself. Give me confidence. So as people are buying Fix This Next, the book, they're getting also, in addition to it for free, is a confidence supplement. Here's how you, how, here's how you sustain confidence. And what's so fa- fascinating just around confidence is I, I always thought is either people had confidence or not. As I devoted research to this, I found that actually all people have confidence. It's just where we're applying it. Like everyone has confidence in drinking water. I've yet to find a person that doesn't have confidence in that process. And then when I ask them, well, what's the process you follow to establish that confidence? 
I, I did that for a long time. I've repeated the process over and over. Um, when I make mistakes, I laugh it off. If I dribble some water down my shirt, I said, okay, we can now translate a process you've already been successful at and apply this confidence have to an area where you lack confidence. And uh, that, all, that whole thing came about just by asking my customers, what do you need now? And I think we all do that, regardless if your business has experienced drastic change or even just a little bit, you need to ask your customers, how can I serve you now? And they'll tell us. When we talk about confidence, as you were talking about it, one of the things that I keep hearing from my listeners of the show is they're not sure how to apply things in the new normal. So many are afraid of stepping out and appearing as if they're trying to be using the word you'd used before that we both didn't feel was what we what you were trying to say, opportunistic. Right, like, right. They can't sell right now. They have to just not try to stay in business, not pitch, not not charge anything because so many people are suffering. How do you respond to that in terms of how people can begin to shift that? Great question. Yeah, I, that was a slip of the tongue, the use of opportunistic, because I'm very against that, but I am very pro-opportunity. And so here's how I distinguish them. Opportunistic is taking an advantage of a disadvantaged situation. That's where you're... That's where opportunistic is where um, you know, there's runs on toilet paper and I secure toilet paper from the manufacturer directly, uh, intervening people's ability to get them at the retail store, but drive my truck around now and sell toilet paper for five times the price you'd normally get it for. That's opportunistic. Opportunity is where there is a new way people need to be served, and I cater to that need. So it's to their benefit, to their advantage. We have a responsibility in that case to sell it because there has to be an awareness. There's people stuck and struggling right now, and if we shirk from the responsibility to show them what we have to offer, they'll never discover it. And uh, they will need a solution. They may find an inferior one. So my argument is actually we have a responsibility, small business owners, more than ever to share and sell now because, or as you say, if our offering is truly an opportunity to be of service, to cater to someone. And so, like, as an author, it's just coincidental, the book Fixed This Next, I wrote this book, how business owners can identify in their business what needs to be fixed right now. It's, you know, instead of doing everything at once, which many business owners in crisis will try to do without fires, we have to march out of the fire. We deliberately walk for- forward. What is it? Well, Fix This Next, I didn't design specifically for this crisis, but it was designed for crisis. And now that there's this crisis... I realize this is an opportunity to make people aware of this. And I'd argue I have a responsibility. Because if I don't make people aware of my book, if I don't offer it to them, they will try to find another solution that I feel is inferior. So we all have this responsibility. But it starts in our own mind. Are you taking advantage of people? That's opportunistic, and clearly we should not do it. Or are you saying it's a service to them? And offering it freely to saying, here it is for free, then uh, starts to compromise our own stability. So the old, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you do the, the person next to you, because if you don't put the oxygen mask on, you're going to suffocate and everyone's going to die. You've got to serve yourself. So an opportunity is to benefit people, but also 
for you to benefit yourself so that you have sustainability. And I've also found when people procure something, they're investing in something, they're invested in a success. What the shame is is so many businesses are giving stuff away for free, people aren't putting value in it. So what can we sell that's reasonable, serves our clients, an opportunity for them to benefit, brings sustainability to us, and because they've invested in it, has them more invested in actually utilizing the product or service you have. That's what I see as the opportunity here and how it's different than being opportunistic. I, I love that. That is such a, a perfect example, and I really, everybody that's listening to the show live right now or on the podcast, what Mike just said, it, I believe this so ch- deeply because I hear this all the time, and everybody's afraid, and they're like, well, but people have no money. Well, you know what? People do have money, and they're going to spend money to help them grow, but it doesn't mean that you can't help somebody that's, you know, in a critical situation. I know that I'm offering some people that I know are in crisis free time with me to help them uh, figure out what's next, right? What's what's to fix this next for them, like like you are doing, Mike, with your book and your offering up on uh, fixthisnext.com tools for people. I wish you would release that early before the book uh, <laughs> launch fully happens just to help people, you know, sooner. But I know that the book doesn't come. When does the book come out? It was out April 28th. April 28th. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's at pre-order now on Amazon and other sites. Um, and what I have to do with people doing is as they're pre-ordering it, um, just sending in the receipt, and then we're, we're getting some of the tools out early as a result. We actually even started a evaluation system uh, so I set up a domain called fixthisnext.com, which has the evaluation tool linked to the book. And I was waiting until people purchased the book, and then they can use an authorization code to use the tool. And we said, no, no, th- this is priority. So now it's open. It's totally free access. And it's on the honor system. You, we just you know, People have or will buy the book. But we need the tool now. And I, I know people are good for their words. So as long as you're going to commit to the book, which you, totally you need to interpret the tool anyway, um, Evaluation tools activated. So that, that's you know what I'm telling my clients too is how can we reposition our offering to be of greater service in the immediate need, but also be integral to our business. We, we all got to stick around. Got to tell answer. Yeah, it, it's in the and when we come back um, in the second half of the show, Mike, I, I know you're going to talk about some of the concepts in the book a little more deeply and yeah, yeah. Take, perhaps take people through sort of an example of Fix This Next, like how they can begin to look. And it only takes like 15 minutes. Um, it's a quick process. And you know what? I'll challenge people as we go into the break is to grab a piece of paper and a pen because we can do a demonstrative live right on radio for the first time ever. <laughs> we can try a little demonstrative, and I'll show you uh, the power of the tool as we go through this together. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely love that. Um, so we're getting ready to go into the national news break, everybody. If you're driving a car, you will want to pull over on the side of the road because, frankly, I don't know why you're driving a car right now unless you're a doctor, a nurse, a first responder, or maybe you're going out getting some groceries, so be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but pull over, or you can catch this on podcast afterwards because, above all, we want everybody to be safe who is going through this crisis today. Um, so, Mike, when we come back, we're going to talk about what you can do to fix this mess and walk everybody through an actual example of how you can find 
what you can shift in your business right now to respond to need, your business need and your clients' needs. And if you're not thinking about that, um, you've got a few more seconds before we go into the national news break to really start saying to yourself, am I committed to making a difference for myself and for my clients? And if you are, you don't want to miss what's coming up next. Mike Michalowicz, author of Fix This Nest and so many Welcome back, everyone, and I'm looking at a sign on my wall today that a good friend of mine, Holly Hoffman, gave me on the one-year anniversary of my mom's birthday after she passed, and the sign says, today is a good day for a good day, and I love that (laughs) sign because it really, today is a good day for a good day, and my guest, if you missed the first half of the show, is Mike Michalowicz. a really, really fruitful author, so many great books out there for helping entrepreneurs build their businesses or even established companies grow their businesses. His latest book about to come out, you can pre-order now uh, anywhere you pre-order books, Fix This Next, Make the Vital Change That Will Level Up Your Business, is on the show. And the first half of the show, we were talking about that feeling of being paralyzed with everything that's going on in the world right now. And not knowing what your next steps are. Today is the fifth anniversary of the day I started this show on broadcast radio, and I could choose to be here paralyzed or I could bring you guests every week like Mike. So hopefully if you're listening to the show, you're sharing it with other people so you can help them. The podcast is available in countries around the world, and Mike has promised on this half of the show to walk us through this concept of fix this next, of where you can look at if you're feeling paralyzed, how to see what your business really needs, what your clients really need. So, Mike. Laura, we have a a little break for you right now. We interrupt this broadcast. We interrupt this broadcast by the mayor of the airways who says, congratulations, five years today, Laura. Thank you, Rhett. Thanks for the opportunity to have the airtime. I appreciate it. We, uh, I couldn't we, do it without you. We, we love you, Laura. You've been a great asset to all of us, and uh, your presence, your positive presence on the air has helped a lot of people, and you've also helped us in our little studio here, and uh, we just appreciate God bless you, and uh, five years. Let's have five more, okay? All right. You got, thank you so much, Rhett. Really grateful for you in my life. And you too, kid. You too. Thanks. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, I'm like, got tears in my eyes now. Mike, you still there? I'm still here. That was super cool. Oh, that was so cool. Red Palmer is awesome. He's oh my god. He's not. He's known as the mayor of the airwaves here in town, and um, he's just an amazing human being that really is here to serve and and make a difference. And uh, he's just thank you, Red. Thanks for everybody. Um, so so Mike, uh, get myself back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got to reorganize. <laughs> reorganize my thoughts here. Um, so before the national news break, you said that you would step people through, the first time ever, step people through the process on radio. So yeah. go for it, please. So first, you know, hopefully everyone grabs a piece of paper, but you can do this in your mind, too, if you don't have a piece of paper. Uh, but paper and pen would help. And what I first want to do is show you the problem, because I think with clarity with the 
problem of how we respond to the challenges we have, then we can navigate through it. So what I want you to do on the piece of paper you have in the center is write the letter A, put a circle around it. And what that letter represents is where our business is right now in this exact moment. For many of us, it's crisis. But whatever you're experiencing now, that's where your business is. The next step is I want you to draw an arrow away from A for a short distance. It's like an inch or two, or it depends on the size of paper. It's just a really short distance. Out of A. So you can draw one up or to the right or to the left. And what the arrow demonstrates or represents is that that action gets us out of crisis. Now I want you to draw a second arrow in a different direction, from A out again. And that arrow represents another way to get out of crisis. And let's draw arrows out from A in any direction you choose. Uh, let's do five or six arrows away from A. And as an example, as you're drawing that, could be the crisis right now is a drop in sales. We need sales. One arrow, the arrow up we drew, could be do a 50% off sale immediately to discount our offering to get more sales in. Or the other arrow to the left you drew could be let's hire someone that on a commission-only kind of rainmaker to start selling more. Or let's do pre-orders where people can send us uh, money now for a promise to deliver services in the future. So any of those decisions gets us out of A. Now, as the third and final step, I want you to draw the letter B in the bottom left corner of that paper. So write B and put a circle around it. And if you've been following along, what I suspect is very few or perhaps even none of the arrows point to B. What B represents the vital need your business has right now. What your business, it's the impact choice. If you move in that direction, we'll move your business forward out of this crisis. Um, yet most business owners are not considering what they need to do. They're considering how to respond to this immediate crisis of fires. And uh, if you look at all these arrows you drew, at the end of each one of those arrows, you can just write another letter A because that's your new crisis. So many businesses, or you've run a company, maybe you've experienced as I did, as I was trying to grow my business, I would address a fire today, only have a new crisis tomorrow, and yet a new crisis the day after. It was this constant hand-to-mouth, check-to-check survival of panic, of, of, of just getting by, of just putting out fires. I come in with an agenda or plan, and yet emails or the questions from my employees would be actually dictating my, my schedule for the day. So that's a demonstrative I wanted to show you on the power of knowing where you're going before you start going. So the next thing, you can get rid of that piece of paper or, or store it as a uh, future reference, is I want you to draw a pyramid structure and the pyramid structure is going to have five levels. So draw a large pyramid and then five levels. And this is what we're drawing here. Drawing here is the business hierarchy of needs. Uh, and what I discovered as I was researching for Fix This Next is that there is a common DNA, and that's what this triangle is going to represent the DNA. There's a common DNA for all businesses, just like there's a common DNA or makeup or biology for all of humanity. We, we as humans... We judge each other based upon external components, someone's height or weight or skin color or, or voice or their sex. But if you peel back figuratively the skin of humanity and you look at the biology, um, deep inside we're ba- we are identical, basically identical. Like everyone's heart is in the same spot. Everyone's lungs, you know, the, the biological makeup is the same. If I had uh, cardiac arrest, Laura, and I was rushed to the doctor's office or the hospital, 
the doctor wouldn't say, hey, uh, where do you keep your heart? Is, is it in your foot or where do you store yours? It's always in the same spot. So when it comes to addressing the health concerns of a human, the basic makeup is identical so we know exactly where to go. When it comes to addressing the health of a business, I want people to realize that pyramid use true is the organic makeup, the biological makeup, if you will, the business. Therefore, we go to the same spots every time to address it. You've got to know, are you having a heart attack? Uh, do you, you know, is, it, is it something else? So what we do is in this hierarchy, I want you to fill in five levels, starting at the base or the foundational level, the bottom of the triangle first. In there, I want you to write the word sales. Foundationally, every business needs to um, rate or have sales because sales is the creation of cash. Similar, there's a thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, Maslow studied the human need structure. This is the business hierarchy of needs that we're drawing and uh, argued that it's a, a human response is that when we have a need, we revert to satisfying the base level needs first, so biologically. Which so, right now is toilet paper, apparently. For which is toilet, yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> which is a basic level need, um, which is breathing air. It's called physiological needs, breathing air, um, using the bathroom is a biological need, uh, eating food, drinking water. Once that's satisfied, we go to higher level needs. In Maslow's heart, we go to what's called safety needs, protection from harm, protection from the elements. It goes to higher level needs beyond that, which belong to community, ultimately self-actualization. What Maslow argued is that any time a base level need is not being satisfied, the most base level need that isn't being satisfied must be addressed, and we biologically respond to it. As an example, I live in the northeast of the country, and if, a, uh, if freezing temperatures are coming through and I'm outside in just a T-shirt, uh, I'll experience hypothermia. So I will biologically respond by seeking shelter or clothing. But if someone, while I'm sitting there, runs and, and puts a plastic bag over my head and wraps my neck in duct tape, now the more fundamental physiological need of oxygen becomes my primary need, and I'll tear that bag to tear it off not worry about seeking shelter until that's taken up, then I'll seek shelter. Okay, so I want to make sure that we can get this in, Mike, because um, I, I love the, where the conversation's going, but yeah. um, we're running out of time. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll move fast now. So I'm just going to go okay, through the business of needs. I'll, I'll do it in, in less than two minutes. Okay, cool. So, okay, so the base level need of all organizations sales. The next level above that is profit. Profit is the creation of stability for an organization. Above that, you can write in the word order, which is the creation of, um, of efficiency for an organization. Then the next level above that is impact, creation of transformation. The highest level is legacy, the creation of permanence. What we have to do is ask ourselves in this hierarchy of needs, what need is not being satisfied? And how you do it is you start always at the base and say, are we creating cash right now in our business? And I suspect many of our listeners right now, Laura, are creating some degree of sales, some cash. Then the next question goes, we have adequate creation of cash to support the next level above it, which is the creation of stability. Meaning, if there's some sales coming in, is there enough sales to create some degree of stability, uh, some degree of profit, retention of cash? And for many businesses in crisis, it's actually this next level, the shelter, that we're seeking. So if we have some sales coming in, what do we need to do to create more stability? Increase margins, uh, don't sell items that are losing money, um, uh, don't incur more debt, some businesses are trying to get more loans right now and actually incurring more debt, which will be future problems. Once we have that, then we go to the next level and say, do we have enough stability in the organization to create order? So this is the model we use by asking questions 
to pinpoint where the actual need is. And that's point B now on that paper we drew before. We need to move toward that. This whole idea of instead of that A, you had a straw, which is where so many entrepreneurs and businesses are living today, which is the crisis that we're dealing with, the COVID, instead of thinking of stepping back for your B, that you had a straw, the vital need. So you're saying ask a series of questions at the bottom of your pyramid, right, sales. Are we, are we generating any sales or are we not? A lot of restaurants are not. They've just closed their doors. A lot of businesses have just shuttered whether it's a restaurant or not right. because they don't know how to revamp to the new way of, of business. Right. And the ones who shuttered, if you have no sales coming in, that's your call to action. We need to create sales. Um, but sadly, some businesses are creating sales and thinking that the solution is more sales, which is not necessarily. That's putting more stress on the organization. If sales are not re- resulting in profitability, it actually causes this uh, faster downward spiral. You know, think of this pyramid as working like uh, building a building. You need a foundation place to support the first floor, first floor to support the second. But in the same sense, you don't build this massive basement or a skyscraper, and then you put a little tool shed of profit above it because it'll collapse in it. You have to work this pyramid relationally. Okay, so it's not just sales. It's the right sales. Exactly. It's the right sales to support the right consistency and profit, which brings about the right degree of efficiency, which then allows you to have impact the way you want to. It allows legacy, the permanence of an organization. Okay, so how does somebody determine, and I know you talk about this in a lot of your books, including Profit First and several of the others, uh, Pumpkin Plan, all of those different books. How does somebody determine right now if they're generating the right sales? Yeah, so we, we always look at it in relation. So the first question is, are we creating any sales? So if the answer is yes, there's some money coming in. Then we evaluate at the profit level is that sales facilitating profitability? Meaning, when I, when I service that sale, does it cost less to service it than it does uh, deliver? Meaning, am I making money or not? If I'm not, uh, then I look back at sales and say, oh my gosh, I don't have the right kind of sales coming in. And that, that's a classic example of we're going to cut prices to get more volume of sales, but now we've compromised the health of the organization. So you always look at the current level, ask questions, are we creating it? And if you're creating it, is it adequate to support the level above it? That's the two questions. That's how we do the sales. So what we don't want to do is have all loss leaders, as stores call it, when they entice you in with something that they lose money on in hopes that you'll buy other things. Right now, right. everybody loss. needs to be thinking differently. Yeah, because loss leaders lead you to loss, right? Right. So, yeah, so the, if we're... If we're we continue to repeat actions that lead us to loss, that's the devastation of the business. What a lot of businesses they need to evaluate they have some degree of sales coming in is control the costs around it. I see businesses that are to stay business as normal and not cut costs but are compromising the business. There's always some hot, tough decisions that may have to be made. Maybe you can't sustain all your employees and you have to let someone go or furlough them, which is, I know is a very difficult decision. I see businesses that are deciding not to furlough an employee or two, and they're sustaining the business, but the business is going in, in collapsing, which means two or three months from now, everyone's out of a job. So they're trying to save two people for two months, 
and compromise everyone for the life of the organization. It's better in some circumstances, many circumstances I'm finding, to furlough an employer to. The government actually has programs in place to, to allow these people to land softly while you save the business. So two or three months from now, you have an established business that's still around, and you can reemploy those people down the road. You, you actually used a great example of that in the book. I don't remember which chapter it was in, but you talked about when you had to make that really tough call because your business was about to go under and how you brought everybody into a room and you let, I don't know, I want to say it was 19 people go or something like that. Oh, yeah. And you realized that you then had to tell the people that were left that they were going to have to take a pay cut, whereas if you had just let a couple of more people go, you could have kept the other people on at full salary, which would have help them in the Maslow hierarchy of need and their own business hierarchy need feeling safe. Right. That's right. Yeah, so in, in Fix This Next, what, what I did is I identified what the, there's actually 25 needs within this business hierarchy of needs uh, I specify in the book, and then what's the common mistakes and solutions? And uh, I made that exact mistake. The mistake of letting people go and then cutting salaries was not for the people that were let go. Uh, it was the people that remained. I was putting more responsibility on them. We had a continue business as usual in an unusual circumstance. And I said, I need you to work in a new, and, and, and I need to work in greater way. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to cut your salary as a result. I undermined people's confidence in me. I, I was telling them I'm making decisions to secure the financial viability of our company by letting people go. And in the next sentence, I said, by the way, I haven't secured financial viability because I've got to cut your salaries. If I simply let go another person or two, as painful as that would have been in the moment, I could have brought stability to my colleagues and maybe even give them a little booster shot as a thank you for sustaining the business. Well, by compromising them and their salaries, all of them felt, ah, Mike hasn't fixed the company. He's just trying to buy time. So they started to look for other jobs. I lost valuable people that I needed most because I wasn't cons- didn't consider the impact on them, on the people that were remaining. It's such a critical thing. Um, I know you know Bob Berg. As yeah, well. yeah, we're talking about. I just love the man. And what I hear you saying underlying a lot of that that we've talked about on the show is this whole idea of respond versus reacting to what's going on around you. By doing this fix this next process that you have, you're taking us away from the A, crisis now, react to what's happening, which now I have to react to the next thing and the next thing, and right. telling us to step back and go to B, which is actually more critical than that A, that, but we, the A is just in our face, take a breath and respond to build from there. Maybe it takes a little bit longer and maybe there may be some additional losses initially, but then you've got this stronger foundation. Yeah, so I, I believe in every action, reaction, we need to insert contemplation. And uh, this can be done very quickly. So let's fix this next. I just have some, uh, some data. We, you know, I wrote, started writing this book five years ago, and we, we guinea-pigged the process on my own businesses. I own some businesses, but also on many uh, other businesses that are willing to do the grand experiment. And what we found is that many people go through this process in under five minutes and then are, are employing the application. Um, we kind of came up with this 15-minute kind of principle where it's about five minutes to analyze and pinpoint and contemplate, 10 minutes to start taking action in this direction. And uh, 
many businesses, uh, business owners right now, are, it's, there's an action and there's this sense of urgency that there's so much stuff that needs to be done. We just say, here's a response to it. Off my tape plate, what's the next thing? And we're acting and reacting without considering B. So it's that survival trap we started, that point A, arrows out. We're just drawing more arrows out even faster now, moving to new A's and drawing more arrows out. So it's ironic, but when, when things aren't moving faster, we actually have to start slowing down. And so my goal here with this business hierarchy of needs and fix this next is that you pause between every action and consideration and say, is this in line with my point B? Does it fall with my, my business hierarchy needs now? If so, I'm going to take an action to serve it. If not, it needs to be deferred or delayed or repackaged, but it can't be addressed. Everything can't be a priority. That's a mistake. We have to find the true priority for the business and do those moves. And the other ones have to be deferred or delayed. It's something that I hear often from my listeners. They're so afraid to take a pause because they may miss an opportunity or their bottom line may be significantly impacted by a moment of pause, or they're afraid that they'll get stuck in that pause and be paralyzed. Yeah. Any suggestions for them on a question they can ask themselves or a mindset shift they can make to help them through that moment when they need to pause to get them out of paralysis? Yeah, th- th- yeah definitely. There's a strategy that was developed by Dale Carnegie um, over 100 years ago, I think, uh, in the late 1800s, if I recall correctly. Uh, if I'm, maybe it's more recent. But he called it daytight compartments. And the concept was this, is in a submarine, if a submarine's taking on water, they have compartments they can lock down to contain the, the flood in one area and, and retain buoyancy for the submarine. Well, in our lives, we can apply these daytight compartments, or even more narrow. And so many people are, are paralyzed by the consideration of the long term. This is going to ruin my business. I am done for life. I, I'm going to lose my home. And we're thinking of the long-term, super negative impact. And therefore, we can paralyze because it's overwhelmed. Well, if we rewind to simply the day and say, what, what do I need to get to the end of today successfully? Then we can, it starts becoming more manageable. It's just a consideration for the end of the day. Well, I need, I need to get one proposal out. At least I'll get out that today. But you can even rewind this back to our tight compartments or minutes and say, what do I need to do in the next hour to, to move my, myself forward to the positive outcome I want. So that's the application here. And with the business hierarchy of needs, we can say, you know, we have a tr- tr- problem with sales. If we're saying, i got to bring in another $100,000 of sales, I have no idea how to do this, I'm paralyze myself. But if I rewind and say, what do I need to do in the next hour to bring in some more sales, now it becomes more digestible and more actionable. As long as you've determined that, that's the vital need of the business right now. Exactly. As long as you know the vital need. So you look at the vital need, you identify, then we start moving into small, actionable, bite-sized pieces. Because yeah. for some people, they may be thinking that what they need are more sales, but really it's not. They need to look at either the profit um, building block or the order or the impact or, or legacy right now to that's where the vital need is. And if they make that shift, it could completely transform their business. I, I, I love this book, uh, Mike. I want to make sure that everybody knows how they can get it and where they can reach out to you if, and your resources that you have. Thank you. So I think the starting point, and something you can do right now and, and see results, is go to fixthisnext.com. And at fixthisnext.com, 
He's activated that button that says uh, take the free evaluation. And what we'll do is evaluate your business. It walks you through this hierarchy, asks 25 questions, takes five minutes or less, but it will pinpoint what you need to work on. And um, even if you don't decide not to get the book uh, or do, um, that evaluation will be of service to you and, and help you start moving forward. And there's no download, no nothing. It just goes through the exam. It presents the results on the screen. You can address it. And once you address it, you can repeat the process over and over again to keep moving your business forward through this crisis. I, I think that's so great that you're doing that. So fixthisnext.com. The book is coming out April 28th, but you can pre-order it now. I've read this book. You want it in your arsenal right now. You want it as a foundational book and any of my other books, really. I just love them. So, uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing stepping people through the the process. I love this A-B idea. It's such a visual, and it's so perfect, and I'm going to try to draw that up onto the post that I put up onto the website after the podcast comes. Thank you. So, everybody, remember that what you think may be your crisis is not really what you need to move your business forward. If you're feeling paralyzed, go to fixthisnext.com or call me, call Mike. Let's see how we can help you. I am here to support you no matter what. You are not alone out there, and we're here to help. Lead with kindness, especially now, everybody. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 